0: Well, hello everyone, welcome to Three Circle Church Online. I know that we are all going through a very unique time, a unique time in history, unprecedented, what we are going through right now. But the beauty of it is that we're going through it together. And here at Three Circle, we are so honored that you would join us today. Uh, Maybe you're here locally with us uh, where our campuses are. Maybe you're in Fairhope, maybe you're in Daphne, maybe you're somewhere on the Eastern shore in Baldwin County, maybe you're in Mobile, Alabama. Or in the county of Mobile, maybe you're in Clark County in the Thomasville area, or maybe you're somewhere across the world and you're joining us today. We just want to welcome you and we want to tell you what an honor it is that you would allow us to speak into your life today. And More importantly, our hope and our prayer is is that you would hear from God today, because what we're going to do is we're going to open his word. Uh, During this time of unprecedented uncertainty, we do have an anchor, and I want to remind you of that today, and we just want to be a, a beacon of hope for all of us today because we do believe that no matter what we see going on around us, there is hope, and our hope is in Jesus Christ, not our circumstances. And Today, what I want to talk about for all of us is the idea of fear because in a situation like the one we're in right now with the coronavirus pandemic across the world, where we are in a situation that most of us have never been in in our lifetimes, uh, we, we have a huge temptation to become fearful. And, and what I want to talk to us about today is choosing the right fear. Because in a situation like this, if you are driven by fear, and if fear is the thing leading you, I should say the wrong fear, if you choose the wrong fear, it will lead you to the wrong place. If you choose the wrong fear, it will do great damage in your life. It will not help you. It will only harm you. But it, you're going to find out today that if you choose the right fear, and the Bible actually tells us there are two types of fear. There's a right fear and a wrong fear. And if you choose the right fear, it changes the outlook for the rest of your life. It changes everything else you're going to face. And today, that's what we want to look at. Now, Proverbs nine ten tells us what the right fear is. The Bible says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So when I look at this, I see that there is a type of fear that the Bible tells us we absolutely should have. Now in a few moments, we're going to see that the Bible tells us to not fear, that we should fear not, uh, that we should uh, trust in God. But before you get there, you have to have the right fear. And the Bible tells us that the beginning of wisdom, it doesn't say all wisdom is the fear of the Lord, but it says that the beginning point, like if you want to have wisdom, if you want to have understanding, if you want to have a grip on life, if you want to know what's going on, it starts with the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Holy One. And in fact, if you really know who he is, if you really know how big and awesome and great our God is, it will lead you to fear him. If you're taking notes with us today, you may want to write this down. Believers must fear God and then fear nothing and no one else. And that's what I want you to understand today. I want you to understand that there is a type of fear, the fear of the Lord, that if you have it, and if that is a reality in your life, then you don't have to fear anything else. But if you do not fear the Lord, if you do not have that nailed down, then you have every reason to fear everything else. Because a situation like we're in with this pandemic is scary and we don't really know what's coming. Literally day by day, it changes, and there's so much uncertainty. That can be scary, and if you don't have a relationship with God, who is in control of all things, then you have every reason to be afraid, but if you have a relationship with God, and I'm talking to you believers today. If you are in Christ, the Bible tells you that if you will fear the Lord, you're not have to fear anything else, It changes the game. It becomes the new lens by which you see the world, by which you see situations like even global pandemics where you don't know what's going to happen next. The Bible tells us that if we will fear God, we don't have to fear anything else. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Now, what does it mean when it says fear God? Well, it doesn't mean necessarily be scared of Him because the Bible is clear that we're to have a relationship with God through Jesus. But what it is saying is that we should fear God, which we would define in this way a respect for God that leads to obedience. So it is a respect for him, a fear of him, an awe of him, if you will, uh, that leads us to do what he tells us to do, which tells us this. Obedience is gonna be a result of true fear of the Lord. And the Bible says it's the beginning of all wisdom. I would say it like this. You might wanna write it down. Casualness with God actually reveals a lack of the knowledge of God. You don't really know him if you think you can be casual with him. Now, I want you to understand there's a difference between being casual with God and being intimate with God. Because the Bible is clear that we are to be close to him. The Bible tells us to abide in him. The Bible tells us to draw near to God. He will draw near to us. These are beautiful truths from the word of God, but the Bible never tells us to be casual with him. And if you see in the scriptures, you'll see that they were not casual with God either. The writers of the scriptures There should always be this idea that although God is near to us, in fact, when Jesus came, he was called Emmanuel, God with us. He is near us. He is also over us. This is why when Jesus taught us how to pray in Matthew 6, 9, he said this at the beginning of the Lord's prayer, most famous prayer of all time. He said this, when you pray, pray like this, our father in heaven, our father in heaven, in one line, The Bible reminds you that God is your father and you're his child if you're in Jesus, which means he is near, he is close, so close, he can wrap his mighty arms around you. That is a beautiful truth of Christianity that we can know God, we can walk with God, we can abide in him, right? But the Bible in the same sentence reminds us that although he is near, he is still over us. That's why it says, Our Father, he is near, who art in heaven. Our Father who's in heaven, meaning that while he is near, he is still over all. And let me tell you today, we, you don't want a God who's just near. Because a God who's only near will not give you the confidence that you can face really tough circumstances like the one we're in without being afraid. You can't have that confidence if God's only near and not over. So today I want you to know we should rejoice as Christians that our Father is in heaven, meaning he's over all things. He's in control, he's on the throne, and there's nothing that's gonna come into our lives that didn't first pass through his hands. I'm telling you, God is sovereign. And we believe in this idea of the total sovereignty of God, that he's in control. And this situation did not catch our loving and sovereign God off guard. So we have a God who's near enough to us that we can ask him for our needs. We can go to him for help. He's near, our father But he's in heaven, meaning he has the power to do something about it. He has authority to do something about it. And when we put those two things together, we can see that God does not want us to just see him as near. He also wants us to see him as over all things. So casualness can actually cause a problem. That's why the Bible says the fear of the Lord. We need to remember to be fearful of the Lord in a sense that is, we respect him, it leads us to follow and obey him. And ultimately it leads us to trust him. Well, what does casualness look like? Well, we have a lot of modern language that I think can be dangerous when it comes to our relationship with God. Like talking about God like he's our buddy. Like talking about God calling him the man upstairs. I, I think that we need to keep in mind in times like this, the beginning point, if you will, of getting through a situation like this is to decide, do I fear the Lord or do I fear the circumstances? Do I really believe God is who he says he is? Do I really believe the Scriptures when the Scriptures tell me who God is? Many of us, I think, maybe have a version of God that's our own God. We've made up our own God. He acts the way we want Him to act. But but we listen, at Three Circle, let me just proclaim this today for all of us. We don't get to make a God on our own. We have a God who's revealed Himself to us in Scripture. So where do we go to know God? We go to the Word of God, the Scriptures. And the Scriptures tell us we should fear Him. We should fear him because of who he is, his mighty power. And that fear of him, which is healthy, it's good. That fear of the Lord leads us to wisdom. It leads us to true knowledge of who he is. And, it, and, and I just want you to understand, this fear of the Lord is a very positive thing for us. If today you will nail down that you believe he is who he says he is, almighty God, and he's your father in Christ Jesus has made that possible, but he's still over all and you worship him, you stand in awe of him and you surrender your life to him. Well, the the Bible tells us that that's gonna be a good thing. In fact, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers of all time, said this about the fear of the Lord. He said, the fear of God is the death of every other fear. Like a mighty lion, it chases all other fears before it. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Charles Spurgeon had a way with words that we would all probably love to have. The fear of God is the death of all other fear. And today, that's what I want to tell you. If you will nail down who you believe God is and allow the scriptures to speak to that, not your favorite preacher, not the favorite book you read, but the word of God. When you see him for all that he is, his power, his authority, his sovereignty, his glory, you will be able to stare circumstances like we're looking at right now. You'll be able to stare it in the face and stand firm because of the fear of the Lord. Now, there is a story in the scriptures, a true story that happened in the gospels. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Mark, we're going to go there and there's a story that encapsulates this truth that the fear of the Lord can actually lead us to a fearless life. That if we get this part right, the fear of God, we can face anything. And there's, a, there's this incredible thing that happened in the Bible that I just want to, to kind of unpack for us for the next few moments. We're going to go to Mark 4. We're going to Begin in verses 35 to 37. This is Jesus with his disciples and they're in a boat and there's gonna be a storm. Look what it says. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, what's going on here? Well, they are in the Sea of Galilee, all right? And if you know the topography there and the geography, you'll see that the, the Sea of Galilee kind of sits down in a bowl, it's below sea level, and the winds can cause to this day these incredible storms. And the Bible kind of describes this storm as a very violent storm. It would have had like hurricane-type tendencies. And they are out on this water, and the storm blows up. And what I just want, I just think there's several things we can learn here right out of the gate, because the disciples with Jesus. Jesus is in the boat with them. They are followers of Jesus. They have declared their life belongs to Jesus. They left their livelihoods and their families to follow Christ. They've given it all up. So they are true believers in Christ, yet they find themselves in a storm. And that's the first lesson. The first thing I want you to see is that believers are not exempt from storms. The Bible never tells you you will be. So I don't want you today, if you're listening, I don't want you to think in your mind, how in the world Am I going through this since I'm a believer? Why is God letting this happen? And what we see throughout the scriptures is God allows us to go through things for a lot of reasons. A great teacher of mine in, in college used to say that when God's doing one thing, he's doing a thousand things. And I can tell you that I can already see God at work in our church, in my life, in the lives of those around me, in my family life. I hope you can as well. But what I want you to understand is God has always used storms, if you will, and the lives of his children to grow us. Storms are like fertilizer to grow us as believers. And you are not exempt from storms. I don't want you to be caught off guard that we'd be going through a tough time. This isn't the first time big things like this have happened across our world. It happened in the scriptures. It's happened throughout history. And what we'll find is wherever there's a storm, God is at work and God is doing things and God is still in control no matter what it looks like around us. Peter, John, and the boys here, they may have wondered, how in the world are we going to drown out here in this amazing storm? We have Jesus with us, and yet we see the example. Believers are not exempt from storms. The second thing we see is that the world observes believers in their storms. Look what it says. It says that it wasn't just the boat with the disciples and Jesus. There were other boats with them. So guess what? Just like the situation you and I are in, we are in a storm. There's no doubt, and we all are in a storm. We are all in a time of uncertainty. Churches like ours are wondering, how are we going to do church for a couple of months potentially without even meeting physically in a location? Uh, how are we going to do that? What's the financial world going to look like for all of us over the next few months? There's, what's the medical th- situation going to look like? Are they going to come up with a cure? Are they going to come up with uh, different things, uh, vaccines? What's going to happen? And there's so many questions, Right. And and the thing I want you to understand is we have an opportunity, like the disciples in the boat with Jesus, we've got the world around us watching. And the world is watching to see how believers handle this. How believers handle this. How are we going to walk through this? How are churches going to handle it? In your community, I promise you, if you're a believer in Christ, people know it and they're watching you to see how are you going to do this? How are you going to live? Will what you say you believe be the thing that drives you. Do you really fear the Lord or do you just fear the thing that you're going through? The world observes believers in their storms. The Bible tells us here that there were other boats on the water that night. There are other boats that are gonna see it. See, God not only uses storms to grow us, he uses storms to platform us so that the world can see what's going on. And it brings me to the third thing and don't forget this about storms. Every storm you face and and whether it's the pandemic that we're all in now or whether it's the next storm that's going to come into your life. Every single storm does this. It gives you an opportunity to display your faith in God. Sometimes God uses storms to grow us. Sometimes he uses them to platform us for the world to see how we will handle it, how we will go through it. Storms are an opportunity. You have an opportunity right now for your coworkers, for your family, for your friends. You have an opportunity to minister people to people like never before. Churches have an opportunity like never before right now to serve their communities, to minister to their communities. My friends, I understand this is a big, big ordeal that the world is facing, and it is full of obstacles, but I am convinced that because of our sovereign God, it is also loaded with potential and loaded with opportunities for us to shine the light that God has given us to shine. So do not despise the storm. Understand, you're not exempt from it. Others are watching you, and it's an opportunity. Look what happens next, Mark four thirty-eight. It says, but Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, and listen to what they said. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care what's going on? Listen, storms, you can write it down, will always test our trust in God. The first thing that them being in a storm made them do was question Jesus. It made them ask, does he even care? We're about to drown in this sea of Galilee. Our boat is sinking. Does he even care? Isn't that interesting? And I bet for many of us, it's the temptation for us right now as well. As we're looking at the uncertainty of jobs and schools and kids and family and all the implications of this and the fear factor is in overdrive. I bet many of us are tempted to go. God, do you even care? Do you care? And and by the way, if you feel bad that you felt that, just remember the disciples did too. It is a very human thing for us to question that. And God knows that. He knows our weaknesses. He's walked in our shoes without sin, walked in our shoes. So storms will test that every single time. And the disciples were tested. They see Jesus totally relaxed, sleeping in the boat, and they wonder, does he even care what we're going through? And of course he cared. And in a few moments, we're going to see that, of course, he can do something about it. So what I want to tell us all is to remember that just because it looks like God is not at work, it doesn't mean that he's actually not working. What appears like God not caring is really our misunderstanding. It's our inability to see everything he's doing. Uh, you may know the story of me and 12 others here. We're kind of known as the 13 now. We were stuck in a in a hotel in Bethlehem, uh, an area of Bethlehem in the Holy Land called Betjala, and we were in a pretty pretty uh, precarious situation. And God did so many things to uh, bring us home, and and it was an amazing it was an amazing story. But there was a night where I had spent several days really not sleeping because I was very concerned about the situation and I was working on ways to, to, to get us home and, and, and God was opening doors but I just couldn't sleep. And there was this night where I just overwhelmed me. I was reading scripture and man, it, it, it was just this overwhelming sense of God speaking to me through his word and reminding me of the fact that he was at work and that I could go to sleep. I could go to sleep. There was this overwhelming peace came over me as I read God's word. It wasn't something that I came up with. It was God speaking to me saying, I am the God that doesn't sleep. I do not slumber. I am at work. And and I was able to sleep that night. Here's why. Because I understood that I could rest because God would be still at work while I was at rest. And we need to remember that. These, these times we're in are going to test us. It's going to test our faith. But we've got to trust in God. See, we must trust his power, his character, and his love. We must remember that he's all powerful. This is not bigger than him. What we're facing is not bigger than God. We must trust his character that he does not lie. And when he says he will be faithful, he will be faithful. And when he says he'll bring good out of everything, he will. He will. He's never let us down. He cannot lie. He will be faithful. And then finally, we need to trust in his love, that he actually cares about us. The disciples does he even care? And he did care for them. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 38, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers above or below can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 38. Such a powerful verse. The next thing that happened is in Mark four thirty nine. It says, And he awoke. So they woke Jesus up. And he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. This is an unbelievable miracle. If you just blow over it, you'll miss how amazing this miracle is. This means that Jesus looked at a storm and a a body of water and literally commanded them, and they obeyed him. This shows that Jesus, who's very human, he was asleep, is also very much God, and he was over the natural world completely. This is a molecular level uh, miracle. The hydraulics, if you take a bowl of water and shake it up and then just set it down and stop shaking it, it, it continues to move. The energy you create, it has to dissipate over time. It doesn't just immediately stop. But the Bible tells us that Jesus told the sea to stop and it stopped. And Jesus looked at the storm and said, stop, and it stopped, which means Jesus has total authority. And my friends... Be reminded today as we worship this Jesus together, as we come to him in his name, he is in authority in the situation that you and I are in as well. But let me just remind you of this. Sometimes Jesus calms the storm you are in. That's what he did for the disciples this night. But he didn't calm all their storms. If you know these guys and their stories, uh, they went through some really rough times. Many of them died violent, horrific deaths because of the cause of Christ. So they went through some storms that he didn't calm in this way, but sometimes he calms the storm you're in, and that's awesome. He did that for me and the the people that were with me in the Holy Land just a few weeks ago. But other times, he calms you in the storm. So there's gonna be times when he calms the storm, but other times he's gonna let the storm rage, and he's going to calm you. Now, I don't know when the pandemic will be over, And I don't know what the implications of it will be, but I know this. I know that God will either calm the storm you're in or he'll calm you while you're in the storm. And you can trust him with that. Luke 1.37 reminds us, nothing will be impossible with God. This is not an impossible situation for him. He's in complete control and we can trust that. Look at what happens next. After he calms the storm, he looks at his disciples. Verse 40, he said to them, why are you so, and here it is, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See, Jesus connects fear and faith. He says, why are you so fearful? Again, we're to fear God, but we're not to fear anything else. And the disciples clearly feared the storm. Their fear in the moment was the wrong fear. And it was leading them to be anxious and and terrified, right? The wrong fear will terrify you. The wrong fear will pull you away from Jesus, not towards him. The wrong fear will make you question God like they did. The wrong fear. They chose to fear the storm. Jesus says, why are you afraid of the storm? It's amazing, isn't it? See, we're commanded to live life fearlessly. God has commanded us, if we fear him, to live the rest of our lives fearlessly. And what we see here is Jesus uses storms for the disciples and for us to turn our fears into faith. That's what he connected here. And what he is doing by showing them what he can do is he's trying to move them from the wrong fear that takes you away from trust to the right fear, which takes you to trust in living life fearlessly. Look what the Bible says the result was. Look at Mark four forty one. After seeing all this, they were filled with great, what's that word? Fear. But now, my friends, they are filled with the right fear. This storm, this incident that terrified them, and Jesus talking to them and teaching them and demonstrating his power and his faithfulness has moved this group of men from fear of the storm to fear of Jesus. And this new fear of Jesus they have is going to stay with them the rest of their lives. And it's going to lead them to be one of the most bold groups and most courageous groups of people to ever live. They're going to turn the world upside down. Why? Because they have moved from the wrong fear, fear of circumstances, fear of the storm, to a fear of Jesus. Look what it says. They were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this? They're not afraid of storm anymore. They're afraid of Jesus. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And there it is. Now they realize who Jesus is. They realize Jesus has power they didn't understand. And they fear him. There's a respect for Jesus now that you're going to find the rest of their lives. Oh, they're not perfect, just like you and I. They're going to have moments of the wrong fear. Peter will have that. John will have that. at They're all going to make mistakes. But there's a change in them that will stay with them the rest of their lives. And their stories are amazing. As they turn the world upside down, in the name of Jesus and for the gospel and the kingdom. Why? Because they chose more and more in their lives the right fear. Write it down. The disciples moved from fear of the storm to fear of Jesus. And their newfound fear and respect and awe of Jesus is going to lead them forward into the unknown world that was in front of them, a world full of attacks, a world full of violence, a world full of imprisonment, a world full of torture, a world full of... Very scary things. And yet, they were faithful. You and I today, as we face some of the most uncertain times we've ever faced, Three Circle and all of our friends joining us across the globe, we must choose the right fear. Making the wrong choice could impact our lives in unbelievable ways. If you fear the pandemic, if you fear the economy, if you fear what's going on around you, it will it will keep you up at night. It'll keep you anxious. It could even destroy you. But if you fear Jesus, listen, listen to me. If you will fear Jesus, you don't have to fear anything else. You don't have to fear outcomes. You don't have to fear the future. If you choose the right fear, the fear of the Lord. And I'm praying today, and I'm, I just want to encourage you today. He will be faithful. Choose the right fear and absolutely Remove from your life the wrong fear. I just want to pray for us right now. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and love. Thank you for your goodness and your power. I just pray right now for every person joining us today. Across the globe, Baldwin and Mobile Counties, Clark County, Thomasville, Midtown Mobile, Eastern Shore. Lord, I just pray that by your grace, you would strengthen us and give us peace and help us to have a healthy biblical respect and fear for you that leads us to obey and that that would set us free from all other fear and that we would be platformed for the world to see us follow our great King in the middle of this situation. Please use our church to minister to our communities to meet needs. Let us be your hands and feet as we bring the kingdom. We worship you, Jesus. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen.